This week's episode of Getting There with Gas is brought to you by Johnstone Supply in Troy. The winter is slowly approaching. Things are starting to change. It's getting a little bit cooler in the capital region now and across upstate New York. And you need to make sure that you've got the place that can help you through that process. And it's Johnstone Supply in Troy. Family owned and operated business that's been helping capital region residents for decades. And trust me, even if you live outside of Troy and you're not stopping over on 6th Avenue, you can still find the information that you need over the phone. Johnstone Supply in Troy wants to help you, whether it's a furnace change, an air filter, something in your home that needs to be upgraded, more efficient, to make sure it's working properly for you. Give our guys a call, 518-272-5922. Ask for Tom or Kev or James. Ask for Tom especially because he's a part of our Fantasy Football League too, so you can talk some trash about it, ask him some fantasy tips. He's a great guy, 518-272-5922. Or again, 6th Avenue in Troy to find out all the great things that Johnstone Supply in Troy can do for you. Give him a like on Facebook as well. Johnstone Supply NY, helping you to make sure your home is ready to go for the winter months. Now, on to this week's episode of Getting There with Gaz. Another episode here of Getting There with Gaz, where we talk about the career journeys of media members, coaches, athletes, business owners, and more from upstate New York. Joining us now, you may remember her from central New York. You may know her from the Capital Region. Maybe you're listening on the left coast. You know her from San Diego. She's been all over the place. I cannot wait to do this. She is not as excited as I am for this. She's told me pre-interview she is very nervous. I've told her there's no reason to be nervous. She's going to have fun. That is my pal, Candace. Candace, first of all, thank you for doing this. You're nice and relaxed. Yes, you're very good. It's going to be easy. I'll start with a very easy question out of the gates. Okay. Younger version of you, five, six, seven years old. What did you want to be as a kid? And was it the same dream job when you were 18? And where did you grow up? Um, I wanted to be Paul Abdul. That was, that was, um, I was going to be a choreographer. Uh, that was my dream job at like, you know, five, six, seven. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> Turns out my rhythm is more of a rhythm of my own and not really like a learned rhythm from somebody else. So that didn't really pan out uh, quite as I had planned. But um, then I, uh, I grew up in Southern California. I was actually born in Northern California. And when I was pretty young, uh, my mother and I moved um, south. And so I grew up mostly in San Diego. And uh, when I was in high school, junior high, the music scene down there is just, I mean, phenomenal. You could any night of the week, you could go to any show. There's always something happening, right? And we were always listening to the radio because it was pre-internet, beginning of the internet days, and that's how you found out new music, you know? And I just fell in love. The DJs um, on some of the local stations there were just so awesome, and their stories were great, and they got to hang out with, like, musicians and do all kinds of cool things, and that is literally all I wanted to do was be around music. I tried to make my own music a few times, took some lessons on a couple of different instruments. Turns out like I can learn how to play them, but I'm not like the creative type that's actually making my own music. <laughs> so um, like even starting in high school, I knew that radio was what I wanted to do. Uh, when we had to do our senior project, um, we had to do this big PowerPoint presentation on what we were gonna do with our lives or whatever at 16, 17, right? And I actually ended up job shadowing at one of our, our radio stations locally. Uh, Fun story. It wasn't actually one of the ones I wanted to job shadow at. I had sent like all these letters to my favorite DJs, like colored, you know, all the band logos on the back of it. I got real into it and I never heard anything and I was pretty bummed about it. So my mom was like, all right, let me call around and see what I can do. And she ended up getting me on like, uh, like the top 40 station there. And they let me come in, even though they were at the time, I think still like in the cluster of stations as the ones that I wanted to be on. But, um, so I ended up job shadowing there, and then I found out that it was really hard to get in the industry, you know. Um, so I started going to school for it, and I, to be honest, I'm a little bit of a wild child. I, I'm a social butterfly. I like people, and I may have had, had a little too much fun during those college years. <laughs> I only wanted to do the fun classes and not like the, you know, the math and the English and all of that, so it didn't really plan out. Um, and mom and I started button heads and she was like, well, why don't you go spend some time with your dad on the East coast? And then you can kind of reassess your life here. <laughs> and so that's how I left California. <laughs> all right. All right. I want to stop there. Cause there's so much that's already happening that I didn't even know about. So let's go back okay. a little bit. First of all, the type of music you're listening to at this point, is it one style? You're, it sounds like you're all across the board. If it's a good band, it's, it's good music. It's live. You're feeling that type of music. Is that fair to say? 
Yeah, I mean, I pretty much run the gamut with music. I, I like it all. I mean, growing up, you know, it was always kind of your social groups is what kind of music you listen to. And I just kind of weaved in and out of all of them, you know, because there were points of times where I was really into, you know, rap and hip hop. There was points of time where I was super punk rock and ska, like, and that, you know, was a big, you know, formative years of my life. But I pretty much do it all. I will go to any show. I will check out anything. And if it makes me move, then I'm in, you know. Back to your mom. You said that your mom called the station to get you in. Did your mom have any type of media connection? Was she in radio in the past? Not at all. She's what? just very re resourceful. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you make stuff happen. That woman, I mean, she will make it happen. So I guess she called up because my letters didn't work, obviously. Who knows if they even got them, to be honest. Um, and so she got in touch with HR, the actual channels you need to go through, right? <laughs> because at that point in time, as like a 16, 17-year-old, I don't know, I was just doing what I thought would ha make it happen. I didn't know that there's an HR and all that stuff. So she called and they were like, well, we can get you in. You can come You can come in for a couple hours. And it was I'm pretty just, cool. Shout out I to know. Commander Boy Jeff on Channel 933 in San Diego. I'm pretty sure he's still there. <laughs> yeah, I'm just thinking like, because you and I have done this before. I just could imagine like some poor intern who was a teenager like, Oh yeah, the intern whose mom called us here today. <laughs> like you probably didn't feel that way, but just thinking about it, like if that had yeah. happened when we were working together, I'd be like, oh man, this poor person's gonna get punked on so bad. Uh, and the the college that you mentioned too, was your intention to go for radio? Did you pick a broadcast school? We've talked to other guests in the past. Like you're out in California. I know there's schools like UCLA and and USC that are maybe more communication heavy. Did you go to a communication heavy school and thoughts of pursuing radio? Well, the goal was always to go for communications and I was going to do radio. I mean, that was always the goal. Um, but, you know, again, with that wild child situation that I was in, <laughs> um, I bombed my math final senior year and I was supposed to go to Cal State Long Beach. And then that didn't work out um, due to that math final. So um, I started going to San Diego City College, which actually was kind of a blessing in disguise because they had a really cool like a media program they had a radio station they had a jazz station there and they actually put on jazz concerts and so i got to do a lot of like hands-on experience like with the lighting and the staging and a lot of that stuff and th those classes were cool i went to those classes but i didn't necessarily go to the other classes <laughs> that you need to like you know graduate so uh, that didn't pan out. <laughs> and then in the like less glamorous version of the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, your mom sent you to your dad on the East Coast uh -huh. yeah. out of Long Beach. So when you go to the East Coast, uh, where are we landing here? We going to New York? We going to Pennsylvania? And what's the thought process when you get out there? Oh, let me tell you about this. So uh, I'm going from San Diego, which is, you know, the most beautiful city in the world. Well, at least in the country. And uh, she's like, you're going to go stay with your dad who lives in Jonestown, Pennsylvania at the time. And I was like, <laughs> you're sending me to the mass Kool-Aid suicide town? Like what's going on, right? Um, and it was an adjustment. It was definitely adjustment, a different change of pace, different lifestyle. And it took, it took a little minute to kind of get into it there. But you know what? I've made some super great friends there that I will be friends with for the rest of my life. And I it actually had a really good time there um, while I was there. Of course, I had to do some brando jobs there before I finally made my way into radio um i worked at like target for a while and i was working um at a gas station which is how i actually ended up getting into radio what all yeah. right let's hear it now the getting there with gas part i was not i did my prep i was not ready for gas station for first radio kick so please let's hear this story yeah so i was working at this gas station and you know over the years i had kind of tried to get into the radio i tried to to do radio when i was in san diego um, but at the time, you had to be 21 for like insurance purposes, and a lot of their events were happening out at bars and stuff. So you had to be old enough to go. So that didn't work out. And so when I went to the East Coast, you know, I was still it was still something I wanted to do, but I hadn't got there yet, and I wasn't quite 21 yet. And I still thought this was a thing everywhere. Um, I've learned, well, probably now it is, but at the time it wasn't so like finicky um, there. But uh, so I was working at this gas station just. I don't know, tried to make some money and to figure out what I was doing, right? And these girls came in from uh, Cat Country, which was a huge country station in central Pennsylvania. Um, and they were wearing their jackets and all their gear. And I was like, oh man, you know, you guys hiring, I'll intern, I'll work for free. You know, I really just, I've been wanting to, I'm just curious if there's any opportunities or how you guys got into it. 
And they were like, well, actually we're not hiring, but our sister station is. And the sister station was a rock station, which was way more up my alley because at that point in time, country was not in my repertoire of music at all. Um, and so I was like, well, sign me up. How do, who do I get in touch with? Like, what do we, what do we do here? Uh, what's the next step? Cause I'm ready. And uh, they hooked me up with a number um, to Jay Hunter, shout out Jay Hunter. Um, he really just mentored me in the beginning. Uh, but so I gave him a call and he was like, yeah, come in, you can do, um, we'll do an interview, you know, for a promotions assistant job. And I go in there and no lie, this man interviews me for like two and a half hours. Oh, and I am like, what is, and I hadn't been on many interviews in my life at that point in time. And I was like, is this what real jobs are like? Like what's going on? <laughs> and we just got to chatting and then he's kind of like walking me around the building and we just kind of talked for a long time. And then finally he's like, well, welcome to the team. <laughs> and I was like, stop right now. I'm pretty sure I got in my car and screamed the whole 45 minute drive home. <laughs> It's amazing. That, that's crazy. We've heard so many different stories from people. That is, for me, the number one story of how anyone's gotten hired at a job. That is insane. So, okay, so what are the hours looking like? This is your entry-level job. You just got hired off a gas station for a sister stage for a rock station. You want to be, what is the first job and what are the first couple of months like for you? Are you good on the air? Do you need practice? Take us through that. Well, the air part didn't come for some time. Um, so I was started doing promotions. Um, and I remember training with um, my friend, Lindy. She took me out for the first couple of events. And I had been, of course, dorky me was like out on the motorcycles and ate it. And so I had like scabbed up knees and stuff. Right. And we were like at some big expo event where we got to hang banners and like be on our knees on the floor and rolling stuff off. And I was like, my God, I'm going to die. <laughs> this is not the best like, game plan. And for a long time, I did the gas station thing. Uh, with the promotions because you know because you've been in radio right but like yeah. promotions vary there's no like set hours and it's basically you know a lot of nights and weekends um not so much early mornings or you know weekdays but pennsylvania is a unique state for so many different reasons um you know a big one is that they in order to get beer you have to go to the beer distributor right so these beer distributors do a lot of remotes with the radio stations to get people to come out on Fridays and Thursdays and Saturdays where they do these, um, you know, specials and they do giveaways and stuff like that. So we always had like three beer distributor remotes a weekend. So, you know, it's guaranteed work. And uh, that's kind of how I ended up getting into country music because there was a country station in the cluster and nobody wanted to work that. Everybody wanted to work for the rock station, right? And I was like, well, I'm getting paid. I don't care. You know, I'll go stand <laughs> at the beer distributor, <laughs> put up some banners, whatever. And so I quickly just started saying yes to everything and became like, you know, their go-to. Of course, I had a couple of hours where I couldn't do it because of the gas station, but eventually they were giving me enough where I didn't have to be at the gas station anymore. So yeah, those, that was but. Yeah, those promo gigs like we're talking about, like live on location, street team, you hear different terms mm -hmm. for it. You already split it. Yeah, some days... Your knees are getting scraped up. You're not doing the shift you want. You're not at the event you want to be. But as I was always told people, like when you're still young in your life or like, you know, your early 20s and spots like this, like you're where the party is, like where all your friends want to go and all the people your age, you're there and you're getting paid to be there, which makes these gigs so excited. So even though the promo stuff, like you could do that for years if you want, because it's everything people want. You're with the bands, you're with the events, it's all that stuff. Your hope is still to be on the air, though. Right. Like if, as much as you're yeah. loving promo, your goal is to get on there. All right. So what is that process like for you when you're trying to kind of say like, hey, can I sneak in for a late night shift or whatever it might be? So um, it started, you know, obviously with promotions and then you started making friends with, um, you know, you're out there with a lot of the on air talent. So you start talking with them a lot and then you kind of you get in their ear and be like, so how do you think what's my next step? You know, and at that point in time, there was also um, a lot of board ops. Um, so it was required that somebody was in the studio at all times. So they had to literally write down what time every commercial played. They had to check the tower readings every hour. So somebody had to be in there and it wasn't, um, a favorite gig among people, but I was like, when they were looking for somebody to fill in or learn how to do it, I was like, listen, I'll do it like whatever. And for a long time I was, I would board up this 
late night show on Saturdays so that everybody else could go and get drunk, right? And it was called Loud and Funky. So it would be like, it was a bunch of weird stuff. But all I knew is that every time I ran out of time, I'd play like Soul Coffee, you know, or MIA or something <laughs> so random. Um, but so I would board off that and then do the overnights. And then on Sunday mornings, you know, they have all that uh, community programming that you have to play. And then I would do that until the first on-air shift person came in. So I did that for a long time. And then one day I'm sitting in there at three o'clock in the morning and uh, my de facto program director at the time called me up drunk from the bar and he was like, you're going live at 4.30 in the morning. And I was like, what? <laughs> yep, you're going live at 4.30 in the morning. So at this point, it's like 2.33. So I got a good two hours to freak out in there. <laughs> and he let me go live for a couple of hours there. And I continued to do the board offing. And that's just kind of how it started um, with the on-air situation. No training, no demos, nothing. Just wing it, see what happens. In the middle of the night. <laughs> <laughs> how would you self-evaluate how it went? Um, word vomit, maybe, a little bit. I mean, it was like, I was, so my adrenaline was just pumping so hard for so long. Like, I, I don't know. I do have some um, cassette tapes uh, from those early days. Uh, I don't have a cassette player at the time, but I did find a CD at one point a couple of years ago, actually, when we worked together and a couple of us listened to it in the prod studio and it was not great. <laughs> well, look, it's encouraging that you didn't get discouraged by how you thought you sounded and how maybe the tapes might have been burned at some point if you wanted them to. But you do not give up, you know, quit, you keep getting on air shifts. So what's the next step here for you? Do they start hearing what's happening at 4.30 in the morning and saying, let's put her on a different station? Are you saving your stuff? What are the next few months like for you after that 4.30 debut? It got really crazy um, after that debut. So um, for a while I started, um, I was like the only promotions assistant. So I was doing whatever they had. And then some people had left. And the morning show was getting developed into an actual morning show because it was, we had Howard Stern for a long time, right? And then Howard left and they moved our afternoon guys to mornings. And then they started piecing together this morning show, which um, up until last summer, the three of them were still together. Um, and this is from like, you know, the late nineties, right? Early yeah. Um, yeah. I didn't start in radio until like 2004, I think. But um, so um and they started building this up and they needed a little help and um you know technology wasn't as advanced with some of the uh things that we have now that make things really accessible uh for somebody like say as a one-person morning show so they needed some help and so i would do you know kind of pull in their traffic for them and get that stuff together and screen some calls and help them out a little bit so essentially kind of producing the morning show um and then the overnight guy left so they let me do overnights for a while. So I was doing overnights and then I produce the morning show and then pick up whatever remotes needed to happen. Um, so that was a crazy time for a little while. <laughs> so things are rolling. The, the career's taking yeah. off. You're getting opportunities that you want. I feel like this is the part and maybe my timeline's a little messed here because I'm finding out things about gas stations and 4.30 shifts. I had no idea that were coming for me. <laughs> I feel like Syracuse is coming up soon or maybe that's the next step for you that you end up in Central New York, and I know I've told you this before that when I got out to Albany, I knew you was Candace from K-Rock. When my buddies came into the studio, they're like, yo, was that Candace from K-Rock? Like, <laughs> this is where I started to learn about you. I knew yeah. of you before I actually met you. So take yeah. us to how you end up in Central New York and get hired by K-Rock. So um, for a few years while I was at Citadel um, in Central Pennsylvania, they were trying to get me to be the promotions director. And although it was like, you know, a full-time gig in radio and it was health insurance and whatever. I didn't want to do it because I was doing, getting tons of hours doing the other stuff I did and I could say no if I wanted to. And so I was like, oh, and I push it off. And then finally they talked me into being the promotions director. And we moved studios to a big brand new studio from this like weird barn house we were in. And so there I was the promotions director. And since I was there all day, I would fill in for everybody. So it was like swing shift. I'd fill in for anybody who was on vacation and I'd do a couple weekend shifts. And, um, 
And that's, you know, kind of how it blossomed there. And then Citadel got bought out and there was this whole thing that went down. Um, and so I wasn't working there anymore. Um, so I was doing like some DJing on the side and I was um, working at another station, a local, like a locally owned station uh, that actually just got sold to Christian radio like two weeks ago. Um, so RIP, uh, the Rose and Fun 101, but um, so so I was working there, and my buddy, who was the de facto PD that first put me on the air, right? Um, long story short, they never made him the PD, and so he got a PD gig in Syracuse, and he was there for a little while, and he lost somebody, and he kind of just wanted somebody that he knew could just jump in and do it, and he called me, and he was like, "You want to move to Syracuse?" And I was like okay <laughs> and that's how syracuse happened <laughs> so you get hired by galaxy communications which is privately owned still to this day so we're talking yeah. now timeline wise this is 2010 2010, 2000, 2000. 2000. okay mm -hmm. so you interviewed just with your friend who was a pd do you interview with who owned galaxy at that time ed Levine, or was it just the pd and you're in yeah i did come up and do an interview um i uh i do remember doing that to be honest, I, I like I think I talked to Ed like five times the whole time I worked there. So I I uh, I, I do remember there being an interview and then I came back um, and then he called and he was like, all right, we're good. Let's do this. So it was those are always nerve wracking, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, so K-Rock it is now. So at this time in 2010, for those who don't know the Central New York market, there's two monster rock stations. There's K-Rock and there's 95X. In the early 2010s, especially, if you can remember, like the lineup you're with at this point, it th th like there was a true rivalry. Like you mentioned Stern earlier, yeah. Stern fed into this, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like that's why it's the fun stuff of radio. Like there's real rivalries and real passionate fans, both about music and the talk shows. Did you feel that early on in your time at K Rock that there's a true rivalry with you guys in 95X? And what was it like in the building, really competing in upstate New York for? A radio war seems too intense, but maybe this is the closest we ever got in upstate New York to one of these. Yeah, I mean, you hear about like guerrilla radio campaigns where they get really like angry at each other when they're at the same show. And there's more banners. You don't have the better spot and all that stuff. And and trust me, I feel it too. The promotions director in me wants to be in the best spot. I want everybody to see us. I want all that. But I really did feel it there. Like almost from the minute you walked in because they had some pretty heritage uh, morning show, the morning show at 95X, and then the afternoon show at K Rock. So Rain Man had been there forever, you know, and so he was pretty stand there. I think the morning show had had a lot of turnover at K Rock um, prior to, I guess, the last decade or so. Um, so and they were still, that was something we were still working on when well, I was there. Uh, but you could definitely fill it in the building. And I think it also had to do with a a lot of that company growing and Ed's history with everybody else in town and in the business and stuff, which, which made it kind of like exciting a little bit, <laughs> you know, for everybody else. We want to just always want to beat 95X and that's like, and then you're good. As long as you beat 95X, you know, we also got a job. <laughs> yeah. For your position, I call it the position on the battlefield. We'll say here, where was your time slot? What were you doing at K-Rock for those who may not remember this point? So I got hired at K-Rock to do the night show, um, and I was also the programming assistant, which I don't know if that is kind of like APD. Basically, I just did whatever my boss needed, um, and that turned into a little bit of promotions, and you'll see this is a trend throughout my entire career, is that once people find out I can do promotions, I'm doing promotions. <laughs> but, uh, so, a little tease for later in the interview. Right. <laughs> So um, I was doing a, a lot of that. I was doing the night show and then I was doing promotions and just, you know, getting everything ready, writing the, the liners and the copy and the stuff or in the studio for all the jobs and all that fun stuff. Yeah. So, it's a, yeah. It's a fun time. Like the, even though it's competitive at this point, everyone's put out such good products and good on air stuff. It's such a great time because competition feeds this energy and this, okay, they're doing this. We're doing that. They're doing that. It's a great time in central New York for radio. Even if you're not a rock fan, like the events, a K Rockathon, you got to go to a couple of those or no? Listen, yeah, I got to do a few K Rockathons. I started in like June of 2010, and like the first thing I did was a K Rockathon. You know, I started in the thick of K Rockathon planning, and that was 
like my favorite thing all year every time I was there. I think I did three K Rockathons. You know what? For those who don't know what that is, I think I might have been too inside for both of us. All right. For those yeah. who don't know, what is what is K Rockathon for those who don't know? So K Rockathon is basically a huge concert that the radio station puts on every year. And it's like and when I was there and I think when it originally started, it was like the radio station paid for the bands to come in and they did everything. It wasn't like a big tour that they bought and just kind of put their name on it. Like happens sometimes, right? You, you mm-hmm. kind of just take ownership of things, ownership of things. And so it started out, you know, years before my time there, but it was like 10 bands for 10 bucks or something. And it moved a couple of different locations. By the time I got there, it was at um, the New York state fairgrounds and it was huge. I think we had like 20, one of the peak years we were there, we had 21,000 people in the crowd yeah those shows got wild it was so (laughs) awesome like just getting to coordinate like all the meet and greets and stuff backstage and see the fans get so excited and the bands having a good time and the show i like it like that was i mean highlight career highlights i think with k rockathon yeah those pictures if you google some k rockathon images it's like it's even hard to understand that it's only been like 10 years ago since those things were like at the peak and it was absolutely insane that stuff was happening in central new york so as wonderful as it is, as exciting as it is, it's a cool part of your career. And I don't think I'm overstating what's about to happen next year. It is one of the most outrageous things that's happened in upstate New York radio or media, at least in the last 10 years. I'll put this up against anybody. And if you want me to fill in some of the details, I will, but I feel like you might know it as well as I do. 95X and K-Rock have this unreal pro wrestling style moment that shakes up the entire market and, and unfortunately shakes up your career. Take us through what you remember about the zombie walkout. Okay. So I don't really remember the phrase, the zombie walkout. I remember uh, in retrospect, there were some signs. Um, But at the time, I didn't notice and we were all kind of blindsided by it. But all of a sudden, we kind of get called in the office and they're like, so this is going to be your last day. Um we have hired the morning show from um across the street uh which they have fiercely competed with and whatever for years um and unfortunately your shift's not in our budget anymore we're not you know and it was not only me, it was me it was the program director who was my buddy and my boss and it was our morning show host and we all got let go <laughs> and so that's how that ended yeah so well, to to add some more context to this, what you're talking about, 95X had Hunter and Josh, who were the guys in the morning. How the details have gone to Syracuse.com is that they both wanted a contract with 95X in paper that they were the guys. They never got their contract. And then on the air, they said they had been eaten by zombies and walked right out of the studio. And then within the week, showed up on K-Rock. Like it was WCW, WWE, like it was a trade in sports. They basically walked out and said, we're not under contract. Fine. We'll go work for the rival. Yeah. And unfortunately, like you were blown out for something. You didn't do anything wrong. Like they just had to find a budget to hire these guys to put on our contract. And unfortunately, because of one of the most insane things I've still ever heard of, it was like, oh, I, okay. It had nothing to do with your performance. People knew who you were. You yeah. guys were crushing it. It was just like they walked in and said, who are we taking out today? It was a, it's a little disheartening. And I think like, you know, every time I, I don't know how many times it's happened to you, but if you have to, if you lose your job in radio, it's like a a big piece of your identity that kind of goes away because you get so affiliated with that brand, you know, and you promoting that brand and that brand becomes part of you. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, you're not Candace from K-Rock anymore. You know what I mean? So it's, it was a, it was a, it was a tough pill to swallow and it sucked mostly because I had made so many good friends there. Like, uh, every our crew at the station were so tight like we did everything together we went out together you know we worked together we literally did everything together and i think that was kind of hard that was the hardest part and i think that's why it took me a few years to actually leave syracuse afterwards because not only that my friends at the radio station but my friends that i had made there was just such a core group and i wasn't ready to leave them yet well, even though it takes you a little while to leave, it is a credit to your talent and how good you are on the air that a bigger market comes and finds you. You get hired in the capital region. I am on our visual side, Q1057. I feel like the name has changed so often. I hope I'm right that that was the name of the station when they hired yeah. you. It, it was wasn't. Q103. 
Look at that. It was Q103. There yeah. you go. I'll fix the graphic for you. I told you I was going to screw that because it's changed about, it feels like 95 times. So take us through how in the world you got hired to Albany now. So, um, so during uh, my out of radio time in, uh, in Syracuse, I was DJing at a gentleman's club and nice. <laughs> just kind of trying to Which one is it? Is it Paradise Found? Is it The Lost Horizon? Shout out Diamond Dolls. What? Okay, the okay. The Lost Horizon <laughs> is a concert venue, not a strip club. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, no, they graciously, um, surprised me. Actually, I got that job through one of the promo assistants that were at the radio station, too. It's like his. Uh, his cousin's wife owned it and so it was they came in a clutch for me and let me stay in town let me stay kind of close to music for a while and i eventually had um i'm trying to remember how this happened i i feel like i got a call and was asked to come interview for the job at q103 and now this was when there was west styles was the program director at the time and um they were going to be transitioning with you know, somebody was on the air and they weren't feeling it and they were trying to make this transition happen. And so I came up and I interviewed and I thought it went really well. We started talking about some things and I was like, oh man, this might happen. Sweet. Hang on, hang on a second, Candace. Were you sending tapes out though? You were sending tapes out, right? Or they just knew who you were? No, I think, um, so what happened was one of the label reps that I know had asked me for my stuff Okay. Um, for the first time. I'm trying to remember, it's been a few years ago, but I think one of the label, label reps that I know um, had asked me to send him my stuff because he knew somebody that was looking. Okay. And um, and I was like, oh yeah, sure. And that's how that started. I wasn't I wasn't actively sending stuff out because I, I still wasn't ready to leave Syracuse. I wasn't ready to leave my friends. I really kind of liked my lifestyle that was going on there at the time. So um, I wasn't actively doing that. So, um, so then after the interview, I don't hear from him for a while and I, try to send him an email and the email comes back like it doesn't exist anymore and i'm like hmm so i do a little snooping and as it turns out they let him go and so he's no he was no longer with the station and so i was like all right maybe it just wasn't meant to be you know and so i go back to doing what i was doing and then about a year or so later i get another call um from the new program director there that was like, hey, do you want to come interview? And I was like, oh, we're doing this again. All right, sure. <laughs> you know, let's, uh, yo, I'm in. Yeah, I'll come up. And um, so after the interview, he was like, listen, I'm still, you know, I'm trying to figure things out, um, trying to get this station in a, you know, whatever the situation he's trying to do. So, you know, would you be willing to like record your show from Syracuse for a while and we can kind of see if it works? And I was like, or what else am I doing? Right. <laughs> so I'm like going out trying to buy a microphone. I was like, I am not an engineer. Oh my God. Okay. And um, so I was like recording at middays on the queue from my living room with like an egg bed egg crate behind me. <laughs> trying to make it not sound so echoey in those like hardwood floor, like really apartments. But uh, and so I did that for about six months and he was like, all right, I think I, I've got him. We'd like for you to move up. And that's how I came to Albany. So this is 2015? Yeah, I moved to Albany the uh, December of 2015. So uh, it was like through the summer of 2015, I was tracking from Syracuse. And then I finally moved here in the winter. Yeah, I, I remember you tracking because I just moved from Syracuse in that May. And I knew you were on the station. They're like, yeah, Candace is uh, tracking from Syracuse. I'm like, my poor mind went to mush. I'm like, wait a second. She was just on K-Rock, but she's not in the building, but she works for us. And they're like, hang on. She didn't have to move. Was that an option? Could right. I? Wait, I'm in sports. All right. All right. So eventually you come into the building and you're working there. So uh, early 2016, what does the station look like? Uh, what's your air shift? Who's your colleagues on Q103 at that point? So I come in and I think, you know, you've been in that building. It's they, They've had some transitional phases with on-air staff, and it kind of gets a little awkward until they figure it out, right? And it was kind of like that with a bunch <laughs> It's very of well done, by the way, Candace. Very yeah. politely, very... You know, very <laughs> <laughs> so when I, get, when I get there, it's um, free beer and hot wings is the morning show, um, and then I'm doing middays, and then it, Flounder's doing afternoons, 
and I don't know if there was a night or if they had a syndication on at that point in time, but I feel like there wasn't like a real. It's just you and Flounder in the building. Yeah, but it's, station, it's me yeah. and Flounder in the building. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and then, and so Flounder's teaching me everything. And it, you know, we, I hadn't used NextGen, the programming software, the specific one that they use at Town Square. Um, up until that point, I'd used a couple different ones. And so he's teaching me everything and just kind of giving me all this stuff. And then all of a sudden, they let Flounder go. <laughs> and I was like, what is happening? <laughs> um, so then Flounder left and then they brought Tig in from Poughkeepsie from um, another Town Square station. He came up and started working there. So for the majority of my time there, it was Tig in the afternoon and me on the days and we were the people. Was your voice heard on other stations too though? You weren't just on Q, right? You did some um, voice shifts on I other stations, yeah. Actually, there I was just doing. Um, I was just doing Q. Okay. I um, I did a lot of commercial spots. Um, like I would come in and say hi to you. I make fun of you on the air sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but um, for the most part, I mean, I think I would have liked to have tracked, um, you know, or done another show, but on another station. But it was just Q, and I, you know, throughout my time there, I ended up taking on more and more responsibilities. And there would just wouldn't have been time. Let's, let's, let's talk about that. Let's get to that point because it's kind of going to circle back to a little bit something we talked about before. So you, you mentioned how you had a background in promotions. You mentioned how at this point you're working for Q. So, and you also said the keywords transitions. I think that's Ooh. what we'll go with on this episode. Yeah. Uh, so what happens here? Because your responsibilities, as you just said, have been added because of what happens. Right. So, you know, at first it was like, great. I, I never had just a full-time air shift before and all I had to do was focus on my show, but obviously at town square, they're, they're big on digital. So there was a lot of digital going on and I was learning more there and, um, you know, doing more at the back end of the websites, which I had done at some other stations before, but they were not as user friendly. There wasn't as much to do on those websites because they were very rudimentary. Um, but, uh, so some things happen in the promotions department where, um, the promotion circuit that was there got a full-time morning show gig in another one of our stations um, somewhere else. And so then they had like some of the part-timers kind of trying to do it part-time, but anybody who has ever worked in promotions as a promotions director knows that it is like, uh, that's not something you can do. It's you're kind of always on call. You kind of just do, you got to be there when things come through and it's not an easy job to do with just 30 hours a week. It's seven so, days a week. It's every Monday through stay, Sunday. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's really hard to keep that in a in a little box. And so how it was presented to me was, hey, would you mind overseeing these guys and giving them some, you know, direction um, since you've done that before? And I was like, sure, no problem. I'm in. I'll come out. And then it quickly became, all right, you're the promotions director now <laughs> as well. Uh, just, just for clarity, you don't have to elaborate if you don't want, were you compensated for that new responsibility? No. Okay. Just, we'll just leave that there. Okay. But I will, but I will say this about town square is there were maybe specifically about the program director I had at the time is he made sure to a point that I was taking care of annually. You know what I mean? So I, I think that he had worked it out and there were some points where I was like, all right, this isn't going the way it's going for everybody else. And I was, I felt some sort of way about it, but in retrospect, <laughs> you know, I, I think he had my best interests at heart in the beginning. Okay. So yeah. that's, that's good to say. So yeah. now the new responsibility of being the promotions director and still being on the air, where does your career go next? And how do the next few years shape it and what happens? Um, so my battery's running low. I forgot to plug it in. So oh, not the best this. part of this. This is like the tease. This is where Candace, this is where I would have done my read. You know what I'll do? I'll just keep talking right now. I'm like, if you're listening on our Apple or Spotify side, our great sponsor is going to be mentioned next. But before Candace shares that story about how that all came to happen, we got to tell you about some of our friends who make this possible right here on Godzilla Media. We first, we start with our friends over at Mohawk Honda, November, December. Time is running out here in 2021 for you to upgrade your vehicle. Is it ready for the fall? Well, we probably know that, but how about the winter? 
Mohawk Honda has the inventory needed for you no matter where you're listening across upstate New York. It is worth the drive to Glenville on Freeman's Bridge Road to find out exactly what they have. We're talking about the Herodin family that's been helping people in the capital region for decades. You want to find a car, Mohawk Honda can make it happen for you. Kelly Blue Book offer going on right now where you can show up to Mohawk Honda and you can walk off the lot with money in your pocket and a new ride. It can happen because they take care of their people. Talking about the staff, the people who've worked with them for years. I love my pilot. You've heard me talk about it before. Have that same type of bragging right for your vehicle and you can make it happen at Mohawk Honda. Say what's up to my guy, Greg Johnson, is always helping out with great people in the community. Cam McKenna, the guy who brought my vehicle from, just helped my mom out as well with guiding her new vehicle, guiding their way through the system and more. Lindsey Harrington, Hot Sauce, Jake Doyle, and more. It can all happen for you at Mohawk Honda, where they always go out of their way to please you. And our newest addition to Godzilla Media, getting there with Goz, Levac and Goz, and more, Jared Lozier, Northeastern Insurance. The next year is on the way, so you're kind of looking at ways in which you can save some cash, right? What are you going to do with that investment? How are you going to help out your business? Is your business insured? How about your car? How about your home? How about the things that are the most important to you in your life? Who is taking care of you? Where are you putting your money? Northeastern Insurance wants to help you. Jared Lozier, contact him today at 518-956-3753. 518-956-3753, Northeastern Insurance. That's Jared Jared, J-A-R-E-D-L at N-E-Mail.com. You just want to talk to somebody about what you do with your money? Talk to a professional. Jared has built that relationship with Levac and I. Love hanging out with him the hideaway. Love continuing to find out more about what to do. I see him interacting on social media as well, helping people about what to do with their homes and more. Now's the opportunity for you to just make that call and say, hey, uh, I just had a big parlay. Hey, I got this new job coming in 2022. How do I handle my money, my budget, and more? Jared's the guy. Jared Lozier, Northeastern Insurance. One more time on the number, 518-956-3753. Helping you with your investments. Thanks, Northeastern Insurance. Now, Candace, tell us that story. So it was it was a lot. You know, there was a lot of stations in the cluster, and they were busy. I mean, busy stations. I You know, he was... He was busy in itself show-wise, um, you know, concert-wise. But then, you know, you add on the huge, almost a heritage country station um, that is just busy all the time. The sports station, which has live broadcasts and remotes all the time as well. Then the, you know, the urban station. And it was it was a lot. It was a lot for one person. And um, and then my show on top of it. And then you add in all the digital work that we had to do. And it was it was busy. It was a lot of work for for a good couple of years. So that's where we were with that. <laughs> and then things changed. <laughs> yeah. So um, let's say you are still in the Albany Capital Region radio market. Mm-hmm. You're just not with Q10, Q103 anymore. No. So, you know, some budget cuts happened. And so I was off and out of work for, uh, for a little while. Um, and I took a break for a couple of because I was really burnt out at that point, you know. I And I think one of the things with me is that I get really passionate about our stations and what we're doing, and I kind of just throw my all into it. And if, like, there's not somebody else there to do this, I'm like, well, I'm going to post this. I'm going to go do this. I'm going to make sure it looks good. And so, you know, a big part of that is just who I am and how I work and my work ethic. So I burn myself out a little bit there, too. Um, but I took a couple weeks and just did nothing. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, I feel like even like you saying that, I think it's a really important spot, like spot to pause on there because promo is 24-7. Like, yeah. I know you're trying to do your on-air shift and I'm there watching you, but like you already had mentioned, if you're a programs, uh, a promotions director and you're seeing this stuff go down, like it's a tough gig. Even if you like your career was started as a promotions tech live on location, street team, that can be tough because if you get a weekend shift, you might be out there eight or 10 hours depending on how the you know event goes and everything else. So managing all that you should have taken some time off i feel like yeah. Levac and i and other people are like you know what you need to like sleep at some point or not be stressed so it probably was great mm-hmm. to just get away for a little bit and even though you do get away uh radio continues to call your name though yeah um so i you know i was sending out some stuff but i wasn't quite sure what and where i wanted to go where being a, a big factor um a lot because you know i still had my core group of friends in Syracuse and it's nice being so close. It's just a, you know, a couple hours down the throughway. So we can meet I had some of them that moved to Boston. So I kind of in the middle point. So, you know, 
Um, we we're all still together and I didn't really want to go too far. But more importantly, I moved, I changed apartments like three times here at Albany and I did not want to pack up this house again. And I did not want to do that move again. And I was just like, you know, let me see what's going on. And I went to the Beck and Cage the Elephant show out at SPAC. Um, and I ran into Founder, who uh, I worked with at the queue for a few months, right? And he was now at uh, Albany Broadcasting. He was doing traffic over there and he was doing um, afternoons on the alternative show. And I was like, Flounder, what's going on? And so we just kind of caught up a minute. And then I was like, so you guys hiring over there? Okay. I was like, I think I'm ready to like not be sitting at home anymore. And um, he happened to be with Chad O'Hara, who was the program director of Z95 at the time. And um, and so Chad, got, we just all got talking at the show and he was like, send me your stuff. And so um, I sent him my stuff and um, they had to send it. Sorry, Emma, stop. <laughs> It's your boss telling you not to say too much about the right. new station. That's what that was. It was right. Chad. It's like a bad no. signal. So um, so I had sent some stuff over it. It took a minute to, you know, kind of see if there was anything. Um, and they had just gotten a new GM. And so they had sent it stuff to the GM and he had me come in and do an interview. And he he was like, listen, I really, you know, I like your stuff. I want to find something for you. I just don't know. I got to figure out how to do it. And I was like, cool. I mean, I'll just come part time, you know, I'll do, do a couple shifts here and there. It's kind of, you know, he's back in whatever. And he was like, all right, well, let me see, let me see what I can do. And, you know, I'll be in touch. Give me a couple weeks. And I was like, all right. And so then he emails me a couple weeks later and he's like, I think I found something for you. Um, I'm going to get in touch on Friday and we can talk about it. And I was like, cool. And then Friday rolls around and I hadn't heard from him. And then Flounder texts me and goes, yeah, so they just let that guy go. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and so then it ended up being a, another few months, you know, because they were in a transition there. And um, and then I guess uh, Chad and some of the program directors there got to talking. They finally, they were like, they needed somebody else part-time. And they were like, well, let's just get her in part-time. And they let me come in and start part-time. And that's kind of how it started there. They're like I want I don't even call it like good luck or bad luck. It's just like insane craziness. Yeah. Like I'm gonna go back and like try to like it's gonna be like homeland back here with like the strings going back and forth at some <laughs> point, piecing together your career. This is so different than I thought I was gonna go. I have this one question. I have to sneak this in now because I don't know what the next question is gonna be. I want to at one point just talk to you about music. Like, like you've seen so much of a transition, you've worked in so many different spots, whether it be rock, country, top 40. Do you think there has been, at least you, with you behind the mic, a huge transition in music of what people like now, or even you as a listener? Like, what has changed from the early aughts to 2021 that you like about music or dislike about bands and everything else? Um, I like everything about music almost. I mean, this is why I got into this business. All I wanted to do was be able to listen to music all day and get paid to go to shows. Like, that was my goal in life, <laughs> right? Um, but uh, working in radio, you learn quickly that it's not exactly the music business it's more the advertising business and so uh, a lot of times you have to bring yourself back to that you know bring it back to the music and let yourself get there and i think i find that a lot in our listeners um and i take a lot of joy of getting to meet our listeners uh whether it's out at an event or at a show and what i have noticed is that there's a lot of crossover and it's funny because i i worked at rock radio most of my career and it wasn't until i got to albany broadcasting i mean at the other stations i i you know, I dabbled in some other um, genres or formats, um, maybe a weekend shift here or there or fill in, but it wasn't like, you know, a steady thing. It was mostly rock radio. And I've always wanted to do alternative radio. And every time it's right there, it kind of doesn't work out. So maybe at some point it will. Um, but I hear it all. It's so funny because I'm doing, you know, some top 40 work, I'm doing some hip hop work. I'm doing, I'm like on an oldie station every day, <laughs> hot you know, the um, like uh, contemporary hits, like it's just crazy. And it, and I love all the music and I love learning about them and soaking it up. And I see a lot of these listeners coming, like even my listeners from Q that listen to these stations, like when they first heard me on there, they're like, hey, are you on Fly 92.3 right now? I'm like, oh yeah. Like I didn't make an announcement or anything on social media because I wanted to like, get into it, do it, you know, make sure I was good before I told people to listen to me and, uh, or make sure I was comfortable anyways. 
and then people were hitting me up and it, it's crazy to think that I don't, I don't think people are super genre specific. I think it's a good way for them to search for music on the radio, but I think that's, I think they go through different stations so that they can get a different taste of what, you know, what they like. Yeah. We're taping this by the way, in late October, 2021. So I'm going to ask you this question by the time somebody might listen to this and might change, but for this time, you mentioned people giving you some shout outs on social media. Where can they follow you? Where can they find you on the air here in the capital region? Okay. So um, if you're in the capital region right now, uh, you can check me out afternoons on Magic 590 AM and 100.5 FM uh, from two until six. And um, on Sundays, I'm on Jams 96.3 from 11 until three. I fill in on Fly 92.3 and B95.5, occasionally 100.9 to cat. <laughs> so I, I kind of just run the gauntlet over there. Whenever whenever they let me get on the radio, I'm like, sure, I'm in. You know, uh, I'll, I'll come on. I'll come be on. Um, if you want to follow me on social media, I am not easy. They're all different. Um, <laughs> I think on Twitter, I'm Candace Kirby. On uh, Facebook, it's Candace on the radio. And on Instagram, it's curbside5150. I can just hear like the rewind button getting hit right now. Let me write these down. It's like a baseball <laughs> scorecard right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but all good stuff. I'm so happy everything's going well. And the podcast is getting there with guys. We've talked about so many different stories, especially earlier in your career and where you're at now. For somebody who wants to break into radio, maybe somebody's like you that loves bands, loves music. They want to do this for their living. They want to do this and go to the shows and get paid and everything else. What's the best advice to somebody, whether they're in high school or those early college years or fresh out of college, you'd give them to land that first job in radio? To get where you are. I think the best advice I can give is to um, take every opportunity that comes your way. You know, try not to say no. If it works out, if you can do it, do it because you will learn so much. And once you learn to do the things, the opportunities start to arise. Um, you know, and know that you're not going to come straight out of school and, you know, make $70,000 and be a morning show. Like, I mean, that's, it happens occasionally, but that's, you know, you generally have to work your way to get there. And so be patient, you know, definitely be patient, put in the work and it'll pay off in, in the long run. Well, Candace, I'm glad we got to do this. I kept you longer than I thought because this story was awesome. We've, we've talked before about radio in central New York and upstate New York and everything else. I'm so glad I got to dive deeper into some of these topics with you. I hope that people listening to this podcast, especially music fans, heard that even if you're in a certain area, things can change and you can still find opportunities. Thank you so much for doing this. I'll continue to listen to you. Me. Yeah, no doubt. Keep crushing it. And uh, we'll talk again soon. All right. Sweet. Thanks.